First You Think is a not-for-profit ministry of the First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. Support us at ucdsm.org today. For everything, there is a season. So say ancient scriptures, so says the song, so says a young minister in California in the United Church of Christ and her gorgeous variation on the old theme. For everything, there's a season and a time for every single thing this side of heaven, a time to be a baby and a time for last breaths, a time to recycle what's ready to go and a time to upcycle what wants keeping, a time to be on the search for what's next and a time to let go of what you always thought you'd have. A time to rage incoherently at the state of the world, and a time to tuck yourself into soft blankets. There's a season and there's a time, wrote the prophet in words that might still teach us, for every large gesture and every small responsibility. There's space in time to attend to every looming task, every mystical and haunting question, and every sweet diversion. There is time and there is space, but it is so hard to believe it, so hard to trust, so hard to maintain equanimity and equilibrium when we're as busy as we are and distracted as we are, as frantic and frazzled and fragile as we so often feel with the weight of our world, our desperate, endangered world, so beautiful, so broken, closing in, pressing down, screaming for attention, flailing, just like us and crying for our love and care. The life of the spirit, I think, is all about triage. It's attending to this thing, and then that thing, each one in its holy time. It's all about balance, as if there really were such a thing in this physical and emotional universe. Nothing is ever really and permanently balanced. We know this from physics. We know it by experience. We're always walking this narrow beam, careening between grief and hope, desire and contentment, resistance and resilience, breathing, pushing, working and resting, resting and praying, playing and crying, worrying, laughing. We're clumsy, often graceful, occasionally. Balance inside a person or within a community, a congregation, is never a steady state. It's a continuous dance. And sometimes we're all hearing different music. And sometimes we fall down. We like to believe it is otherwise. A few years ago, I was driving in the rain. It was early evening, getting dark. I turned on the radio and the president was speaking, the president before our current president, shortly after his election. And all of a sudden, at the sound of his voice, my throat choked up, my eyes filled with tears, a visceral reaction, so much so that when the light changed, I had to pull over. This had never happened to me before. It was very strange to be so out of control. And I think part of it was simply the whole weight of the world at that time. So many assaults on our spirit and our character and dignity, so many outrages and losses. And all along, like everyone else, I'd been holding it together pretty well in a responsible and upright fashion, channeling outrage into thoughtful resistance, shaping confusion into respective, creative dialogues, working to stay hopeful and helpful, fair-minded, even-tempered, working to stay awake instead of numb, 
or cynical. And here I was on the side of the road in the pouring rain, utterly undone. And what actually triggered it was just a small thing relatively in the grand scheme of apocalyptic crises that were roiling around us then and now. He was talking about the revocation of a ban on importing elephant trophies and elephant ivory. Now, for some reason, it was okay again to hunt endangered elephants and bring the trophies here. It was just one thing. And compared to healthcare, nuclear war, women's lives, black lives, the melting Arctic ice, it was a smaller thing. But for some reason, without any warning on a rainy night, the elephants discombobulated me. Somehow they nudged their way in. They broke my heart, broke open my carefully guarded heart. These quiet, faraway companions whom I've never seen in the wild, but I always know they're there, peaceful under the African sky with their gentle, nurturing intelligence. Heavy and innocent, they are not like us because they move always with perfect poise upon this earth. They have no need for trophies. They caught me off guard, threw me off balance, tossing me up in the air with their great tusks and trunks. And in that crazy disequilibrium, there was a kind of grace. They really were the elephants in the room, except they were in the car. And they were in me. And for a few seconds, I couldn't drive or think or breathe. It felt like I was knocked off my foundation. But now I think in that wild moment, my balance was in fact restored. Something similar happened just this week, this time a little more safely on my couch, reading about the tens of thousands of young men who are fleeing all parts of Russia now, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, people the exact age of my daughter and her wife. There were many photos in this article, portraits, one after another, of a dozen or more beautiful young men, engineers, artists, doctors, farmers, laborers, programmers, a young fisherman from Siberia. And you could see, I saw in their eyes the same humanity, the same bewildered, resolute, shining humanity that we all saw months ago in the eyes of young women and older women fleeing Ukraine with their children, the same light. And again, and without warning, I was just thrown. I don't know any of these people, obviously, but I do. And I love them fiercely. And then I caught myself, tried to pull myself together, thinking, what is wrong with you? But what is wrong would be not to notice, not to feel it. How do we stay open, bravely, deliberately, vulnerably open to the news of the day? Or on the other side, the news of the sunrise this morning, which I'll tell you in St. Paul is beautiful today and golden or the news of the war, all this beauty, all this pain, we guard our attention, our time, our compassion, our care, so we won't be distracted or found sobbing on the couch. But how can we stay open also, trusting we will not be overwhelmed? Not overwhelmed, but just fittingly 
overwhelmed. There is time, says Kit Novotny, for every single thing this side of heaven. There's time for holy resistance, a time to rage, a time to ugly cry and let the snot drip down, a time to yell true things out loud, a time to get real still and quiet, a time to grieve, a time to love with all your might what in this world needs loving. And sometimes balance needs to look like imbalance, at least for just a while. Dana Falds in her poem, Allow, says it this way. There's no controlling life. Try corralling a lightning bolt containing a, a tornado. Dam a stream and it will create a new channel. Resist and the tide will sweep you off your feet. Allow and grace will carry you to higher ground. The only safety lies in letting it all in, she says. Fears, fantasies, failures, success. When loss rips the doors of the heart right off of you or sadness veils your vision with despair, practice becomes simply bearing the truth. And in the choice to let go of your own known way of being, the whole world is revealed to your new eyes. Sometimes balance looks like falling on the floor and rising up again with new intention. This month, in these first weeks at the church with you, I've been reminded of a piece of truth that has rolled around to trip me up many times before. I'm reminded that this life in community, in the big wide world, but also small community, is a perilous life. It is easy to stay steady, easy to be calm, cool, collected, if you don't care too much about the people that you're with, or if you love them theoretically, which is a safe and sanitary kind of love. But if you love them truly, fiercely, madly, deeply, you're going to get in trouble. The kind of trouble that turns you upside down, leaves you wrung out like a dishcloth, and ultimately saves your soul. I'm thinking about the many losses you've sustained in the church in recent months, beloved members who have died or gotten sick. It's a perilous, beautiful thing to live in community as you do, as you've chosen, to live interconnected and interrelated on purpose. It's a beautiful, so risky arrangement. There's so many things to trip us up, knock us down, the death of somebody beloved, someone's new diagnosis, the sad weariness of friends whose aging parents are sick in body or spirit, the sharp grief of parents whose children are sick in body or spirit, somebody's trouble with money or work or addiction, somebody's loneliness, the shadows of dementia flickering now in somebody's brilliant eyes. There are so many things when you're bound, as you all are in community, that can send you reeling, love, sends us really. I feel sometimes as if life in church, all church, is like a game of twister, that old party game where you spin the dial and get all tangled up with everybody, laughing, bolstering each other till one person wobbles, they lose their balance, something happens to one person to knock them down and all the others or many tumble to the floor. And I never learned properly how to keep from falling. And I don't ever want to learn. I have been like so many of you, 
a deliberately incorrigible student. We are here to love this life and love each other, not theoretically, but recklessly, ever mindful of the cost of loss. And sometimes we like to think we're immune or that with enough training or willpower or luck, we will be somehow inoculated against dishevelment and grief. But who wants to live like that meagerly? What else but outsized grief could hold an African elephant? And so from time to time, our decorum is disrupted, and that is a messy saving grace. Anxiety can do this too. I remember a time many years ago when there was lots of angst in a congregation I was serving, the first one I served. Not grief at that time, but uncertainty. And I don't remember even what the issues were, but there was some low-level inflammation, like a virus, and thus all these little outbreaks here of animosity or impatience or garden variety meanness, it was a hard moment when people were not vicious exactly, but just simply forgetting to hold it one another with care, forgetting to presume that everybody, all of us are just shuffling along with the best of intentions most of the time, forgetting to remember that we're all clumsy and forgetful, but most of us aren't evil, it was a snippy time. On a very small scale, it was kind of like what our whole country feels like right now. And it was exhausting. <laughs> and I'll just say that this church now, your church, feels just a shadowy bit like that to me sometimes. I'm just a guest here. I'm passing through, but I'm here this year in part to tell you what I see. This is sometimes how it feels. You've known so many changes, dishevelments in recent months and years. It's a little anxious now. One night at that other long ago church, I went home and said to my husband, Ross, I've just got to grow a thicker skin or else I'm going to die here. And he said, well, you could do it. You could do that. But the minute you do, you will be ineligible for your own job. You can grow a thick skin and put on all the armor you want, but then you will be unfit for the ministry. You need a permeable spirit. And that is true. To be a minister, to be a member of a congregation, to be a person, you need a permeable spirit, a permanently breaking heart. We need to keep our pores open, eyes, ears, heart, mind, all wide open all the time, because once we're closed off, we're closed off. If you could keep a little distance, grow a little sheath of rawhide around the edges of your care, train your eyes to just look away when someone else's eyes tear up, you could maybe be protected and you'd be unfit for your vocation as a brave and loving human person. To all things, there's a season. I don't drive in tears all the time, just when it's the right and fitting thing to do. We're not always overcome with sadness or love or joy, but we keep open to the possibility, willing to have the steady stasis of apathy disrupted or fear or control for everything. There's a season and time enough to give our full and generous attention to what calls us out of ourselves, back into ourselves, and into right relation with each other and, for some of us, with God. 
We like to think we keep our balance on our own, but that's impossible. We learned that in Twister. All kinds of forces work to keep us steady. Gravity is one. Community is another. The outstretched arms of other people, whether reaching out for help or reaching out to hold us when we're the ones in trouble or reaching out to bring us back when in anxiety or worry, we lash out. We're held in place, grounded by forces larger than ourselves. And this is all the work of love. I want to offer you another poem in closing. Ostensibly, it's about death, but it's actually not. It's about life because it's about change. The poet, Jean Lohman, is writing about what will happen to her body when she dies. But this is actually a hopeful, happy poem because it's about change, which is inevitable, which is continuous, which is the only constant in our lives. Change is no threat to us. It may knock us down, but what matters is how we respond. So I'm going to read you this as a kind of closing meditation and invite you, if you can, to think about the church as well as your own life as you hear it. To think of this community, which has known so many upheavals, disruptions, distractions recently, but which is so beautiful and so strong. One of the beautiful things about doing Zoom this way, there aren't many, but one is this morning I was logged in early to check in with Hannah and Emily and be sure I remember how to do all this. And so I could see Karen rehearsing with the choir for the whole time that you all were in there and wanting to be there with you. It is so beautiful and strong, your congregation. Sometimes I'll just tell you this. I come into the auditorium where you all are now. And I stand there in the back facing that portrait of Mary Safford, minister in the 1800s. And I just stand there looking at her placid, steady face, usually unblinking out of the portrait. And I'll say, so um, Mary, how long ago was it that all these recent changes began here at First Unitarian? Was it last May when the last minister left? Or 2019 when that minister arrived? Or was it pre-pandemic or 2016 with another minister? Or was it 1916? Has it always been in a state of flux? And Mary, you can go look at her right now. She just stares out of her frame as she does. But if I stand there long enough, eventually she'll say, duh, Victoria, what do you think? I'm gone, you're there, then you're going to be gone. All these people will be gone and new ones will come in. And that's the sorrow and the beauty of all this, of this whole life. It's not change that ever threatens us, she says, but how we choose each of us and all together, how we choose to respond. So that's Mary's take. Jean Lohman's poem is called A Certainty of Transformations. And that's a beautiful word. We're talking a lot right now about transition, transitional year or years, transitional minister. But what we really mean is transformation, right? All the ways you're meeting change with open, breaking hearts and willing hands and grateful care, crying, laughing, working all together to stay steady and stay true to something larger than all of us. From Jean Lohman. 
My salts will one day flow to heather, and ocean waters scour my bones. I shall be earth and rock and mold. Winds from far spaces between cold stars will blow me around and over the warm hills. I shall move freely when waters move. I shall support a whole world of weeds and spiders. I shall be woven into the knotted grasses. I shall lie curled under the roots of trees. Flowers will nestle into my ruins. My dust will comfort their growing and cushion the heartbeats of little birds. She's talking here about the changes that really matter in this life, right? She goes on, it will not be a new thing nor strange to nourish beauty kin to that I've loved. My life's been fed by wonder. The seasons were a dependable procession. There was no growth that came easy, none without its singular celebration and loss. Salt and boned will find their accustomed home return easily to earth's familiar arms. Certain of place prepared and welcome waiting, my body moving sure and right to its changing task. Mystery is where the final trust resides and I've been transient there at other times. Enough to know that change is how we're made, that surprises hide laughing around corners and weeping is a necessary healing. There's lively creation laboring everywhere. And we are upheld by all we do not see. Our lives enmeshed in many restless worlds. The whole of us is moving straight toward transformation. Friends, I think that's good news. I think the certainty of transformation is good news. Let's hold silence for just a moment. <laughs> 